All across the U.S., restaurants are short-staffed. The ongoing worker shortage is taking a toll on restaurants and now even popular coffee shops. As restaurants work to rebound from the pandemic, they're struggling to ramp back up because they can't recruit enough workers. Now, the issues being felt at businesses nationwide, the National Federation of Independent Business says that 44% of small businesses have jobs that they can't fill. That is a record high now for the third straight month in a row. One restaurant that's facing this problem is called Dirt Candy in Lower Manhattan. It's run by a chef named Amanda Cohen. Amanda says that while finding workers is extremely difficult now, it's actually always been a problem for the restaurant industry, especially in New York City. This was happening pre-pandemic, and it is still happening to this day. But after months of trying to keep her restaurant afloat during the pandemic, Amanda realized she needed to do things differently and make working in her restaurant more enticing. So she went big and decided to rebuild her entire business model. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, September 30th. Coming up on the show, how one restaurant owner is tackling the labor shortage. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. So your restaurant is called Dirt Candy. Are you making candy out of dirt? <laughs> what's what's happening there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that would be a, a pretty good feat if I was doing that. Uh, we're a vegetable restaurant. And so when we were looking for a name, I really wanted something that would stand out. And at the time, this was 13 years ago, every restaurant sort of had this one word name, right? It was like fork, spoon, table. Mm-hmm. And... We were talking about what vegetables meant, and I was like, you know, they are like candy from the earth and candy from the dirt, and then all of a sudden, it was dirt candy. Amanda's been running dirt candy for 13 years, and she says it can be a stressful job. Every day, there's a disaster. Employees don't show up. Something breaks. Within the last 10, 15 years, we've seen our profit margins sort of keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because our expenses in the city have gone up. And so your problems are big on the macro level, like I can't afford to run a restaurant anymore to pretty micro, which is, you know, like, oh, my laundry company just called and said all my laundry was on fire and I wasn't going to have any linen tonight. Uh, on fire? Has that actually happened to you mm-hmm. where your linen is caught on fire? Mm-hmm, all of it. <laughs> my gosh, that sounds like a headache. <laughs> yeah, and that was a good day. At Dirt Candy, Amanda had a pretty typical operation, but she says that over time, she started to realize that it wasn't working. Things were always stressful, and Amanda started to question how she was treating her employees. I think at some point I stopped sort of running Dirt Candy as a business, and I stopped treating my staff as professionals. I wasn't paying them as professionals. I was expecting them to act as professionals, but I wasn't paying them enough money. I, you know, I wasn't paying them a living wage, really, so that in New York City they didn't have to live, like, two hours out and in an apartment with five people and they weren't able to save anything. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is 
treating my employees pretty poorly. And my bank account at the restaurant didn't have enough in it. There wasn't enough security in there. I mean, we had money, but uh, mm -hmm. we didn't have enough. And I had sort of let this idea that, oh, you know, yeah, it's just really hard to run a business and my margins are slim and, and that's the way it's going to be and there's nothing I can do about it. I had sort of let that thinking take over as opposed to being like, I run a business and I need to figure out how to make this work because like, why are we all just saying that it's okay that restaurants run on these slim margins when no other like business runs like this. Like I'm not running a business, I'm almost running basically like a charity. Not only that, Amanda says that because she was paying the industry standard in wages, her workers didn't think of dirt candy as a steady career. Turnover was extremely high. We were having a lot of problems with staff. Like it was a revolving door. In, out, there was a lot of jobs. They could decide one day that, hey, this job, I don't want to go to work today. I want a couple of days off, but that's okay because there's another job that I'm going to be able to find because everybody was searching for employees. Amanda says turnover was high, not just because wages were low, but also because wages were so unevenly distributed. Waiters could make a lot more in a night than a line cook, for example. And the reason for that is tipping. Well, I actually think tipping is abhorrent. <laughs> and so six, seven years ago, we had moved to a bigger space. I opened Dirt Candy in a really, really tiny space. It was nine tables and 18 seats. And then in 2015, I moved to a much bigger space for New York standards, which is 44 seats. Mm -hmm. And I got rid of tipping. I just, I sort of had done all this research into it and it's such a sexist, such a racist system. And it also, it takes all the power from, I think, me as an owner and puts it into the hands of my customers. All of a sudden the customers become the human resources department for the servers, mm -hmm. right? And not the owner. And I was like, why are we doing that? This is my business. These are my employees. I want to be able to pay them fairly. Can you say more about that? You said it's sexist and racist. In what way? Right. Well, there's been a ton of studies which, you know, people do get tipped based on how they look and the, the color of their skin. So, you know, a pretty voluptuous girl might get more tips than, you know, like a 55-year-old black woman. So you got rid of tipping in your restaurant. What did you do as an alternative? So I basically just rolled the tip into my prices, right? We sort of figured out what 20% of an average meal would be, and we divided that up amongst each dish, and we just, we just got rid of it. There's no tip line anymore at Dirt Candy. And did you put like a line on your menu that said tipping not allowed? We didn't say not allowed. So we say our prices are higher than other restaurants because we don't have tipping and we pay our staff a living wage. How did your customers respond to the no tipping policy or no tipping recommendation? You know, I think it was a little bit weird at first. Uh, we were one of the first restaurants to do it in New York City. And we spent a lot of time talking to them about it and explaining why it was. Amanda eliminated tips in 2015, and she also raised wages. Over the next few years, starting pay for cooks went from $18 an hour to as much as $21 an hour. Amanda's new structure seemed to work. Her staff was starting to stabilize, and her customers seemed okay with the no-tipping policy. So just before the pandemic hit, things were looking pretty good. It was busy, actually. We were having one of our best months, and uh, we had 35 employees, and we were actually starting to have a more stable employee base. I don't think anybody had left for maybe four or five months or so, and it felt good. We were excited to be going into spring and summer and, you know, to see what else we could do with the food that we do, but we were having a good year. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic 
hit and the lockdowns began in March of 2020. What were you thinking when that all started? Uh, I was devastated. You know, I had to lay off my entire staff and those were some pretty hard phone calls and emails to make. And I was like, oh, the business has no savings. I have very little savings. And from what I know, I don't pay my staff enough. And I know they don't have enough savings. And here we are, we're going to go through this and it's going to be like four really hard weeks. Mm -hmm. And everybody will be like, you know, destitute by the end of it. And I obviously I didn't know this was going to last for 18 months, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I don't, and then I'm, some, <laughs> and then some. So obviously nobody could have enough savings for that amount of time, or very few people could. But uh, for that short amount of time that I thought this was going to last, I was like, I haven't done right by anybody. I haven't done right by the restaurant. Uh, I haven't done right by my employees, and I haven't done right by me because we cannot weather this storm. So when the pandemic hit, Amanda knew she'd have to make some major changes. I knew when I had shut down in March that uh, I wasn't going to reopen the same business I closed. Like there was just no way that sort of sinking feeling I had when I closed. I was like, I have not done right by anybody and I need to fix it. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Right now, there's a lot fewer people working in the restaurant industry than there were before the pandemic. In July, about 5% of people in food services quit their jobs nationwide. That's about 710,000 people. Post-lockdown, people just aren't coming back to the industry. For Amanda, the lockdown forced her to make significant changes at Dirt Candy. And when she reopened, she decided to rethink how the whole business operated, starting with the menu. I was still working with my managers and we had a lot of conversations about it. And one of the things that happened for me is I run a sort of a a more fancy restaurant and we run two tasting menus. Um, And pre-pandemic, the smaller one cost 55 and the more expensive one, I think, cost $99. And during the pandemic, we went down to one tasting menu. It was like four courses, three, four courses. Um, We changed it every two weeks, but we had sort of this really, really small inventory that we were taking in every week. And I started looking at my food costs and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Actually, if I run with a much smaller menu, and it's not necessarily simpler, but just smaller one menu, my food costs will go down. And it sort of struck me. I was like, oh, this is something I can actually do. Amanda says that reducing dirt candy to a single menu cut down on her food costs a lot. 
Before, food accounted for roughly 27% of her operating expenses. Now, it's closer to 20%. And she didn't stop there. Amanda also raised the price of the tasting menu from $65 to $85. And she started to realize that now, the whole business model for Dirt Candy looked different. She boosted wages even further, to $25 an hour, and could even afford to give her employees health insurance. So is this sort of an aha moment kind of brought about by the necessity of the fact that you went down to one menu and when you did, you realized, wait a second, this might actually change my entire cost structure? Yeah. I mean, it really was this aha moment. And then I was like, ah, darn it. Why couldn't I see this beforehand? (laughs) (laughs) I would have had so many better years. But I also am not sure if pre-pandemic, if, you know, everybody's sort of more accepting of how restaurants have had to pivot. Beyond pay and health insurance, Amanda also says she wanted to make working at Dirt Candy feel less like a gig and more like a career. Yes, we were able to offer the health insurance, and yes, we can do extra paid sick days and extra paid time off, which is pretty unusual in a small restaurant of my size. But we also, we sort of, we opened up the culture of the restaurant, and we're like, we want you guys to participate as much as you can. And we also... This was something that we had never had beforehand. We have a, a built-in system of promotions and raises. And so everybody knows what to expect. After three months, there's a review. After six months, there's another review. That review is your first raise if you are doing a good enough job. And then, you know, a year later, there's another raise. And so there's all these sort of markers that we didn't have before, which I think that structure is so important. And it's how I'm now looking at the business as a business Were you nervous, though, to raise your prices and limit your menu? Were you nervous that customers wouldn't respond well? Yes, I was terrified. And, you know, I sort of had talked about it in our newsletter and on Instagram. And I was like, we've spent the last year calling restaurant workers and delivery drivers heroes. And now it's time for us to treat them that way because I'm going to reopen my restaurant and I am going to raise my prices. By raising the prices, I'm actually going to be able to offer these heroes a living wage. And and I think that really changed people's thinking. So the pushback has been almost non-existent. Pre-pandemic, I was kind of called overpriced a lot. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just called expensive. Do you feel like your menu still reflects your ambition as a chef? It does. You know, I don't think that... uh, It's probably not the restaurant I originally set out to open, but I've also pivoted this restaurant like four or five times since I opened I think it's the restaurant I was meant to run because it's actually finally working. Now, Dirt Candy is running at full capacity with indoor service for vaccinated customers. And she says she's making more money than before. And while many restaurants are short-staffed or having trouble filling positions, Amanda says she's no longer seeing the same problem. In fact, she says she's inundated with resumes. Pre-pandemic, I was probably getting, yeah, like three for each job, maybe four. And we were lucky, A, if they were qualified, but B, if they would even show up for the interview. Hmm. And then even if they took the job, if they would show up the next day. But here we've got way too many resumes, like 40, 50 for each position. And has raising your wages to $25 an hour created any new challenges or new problems for you? No, it's solved every single problem I had. We are actually making money for the first time in a really long time. I'm not going to bed worried that my staff isn't going to show up. They're here every day and they're engaged. I, I only see the pluses in it. It seems like the strategy sort of makes sense 
for a more high-end restaurant in lower Manhattan where there's a lot of customers who have the ability to pay. But how would something like this work in other parts of the country where maybe the customer base is more limited in how much they can afford? Well, it gets tricky. (laughs) I don't want to tell anybody to have to run their business. But you have to be able to offer your employees some sort of decent wage. You have to raise your prices. So looking forward, what do you think this worker shortage is going to do to the restaurant industry? I think it's going to destroy it if people don't figure out how to retain their employees. I think we'll see a lot of uh, sort of more corporate restaurants. You're going to lose the sort of like independent restaurants. That's all for today, Thursday, September 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.